This is Todd Butterfield for ID the Future. Last time we spoke with Steve Lofman, a consultant in the field of enterprise architecture, about the question, is intelligent design science? Welcome back, Steve. Happy to be here. Thank you. I think previously we may have answered the question of, is intelligent design science with, maybe it doesn't matter. Is that kind of where we, the conclusion we reached? Well, at some level, I mean, clearly it's science, but at some level, it doesn't matter what you call it. Gotcha. The real question is, does it faithfully represent what actually happened? That's a much more exactly. interesting question than whether something is, fits into some arbitrary sure. category called science. Well, I'll refer people back to the previous episode to revisit what you said about that. Now, your second recent article found on evolutionnews.org asks, is biology engineering? Steve, what about a tree versus a suspension bridge? What, what should we see if they're both in a picture in front of us? Is a tree's engineering superior to a suspension bridge? I think a lot of people would find this question to be surprising because it's not the way we've been taught to think about the world. But the current state of biological research leads us undeniably to conclude that even the simplest forms of life are more complex than any artifact of human engineering. So even the simplest amoeba is more complex than any bridge or building ever constructed by man. Well, what are some of the aspects that... I mean, just generally speaking, as you sort of paint a picture of an amoeba that make up its complexity. Well, so the complexity is at a real high level comprised of a bunch of machinery that runs a set of instructions, and the instructions plus the machinery are all self-replicating so that there are actually instructions in the instruction set to generate the machinery, and the machinery... <laughs> that interprets the instruction set can actually create its own machinery. So it can replicate the machinery and the information and basically make copies of itself. That's a pretty extraordinary set of functions. And in life, at least as we best understand this, that must have happened at an instant in time. So that's a pretty astounding level of engineering. It is. You allude to the to even more depth. I mean, what you described to me is so almost mind blowing that I have to take a walk around the block just to let it sink in. But we don't have time for that. So uh, you mentioned that whatever it is that we're looking at in nature, that there's ongoing adaptation. I mean, people don't invent anything on Earth that just continues to adapt on its own, and uh, and then it even takes care of decommissioning. That's pretty intense. Yeah, especially when we get into the higher body plans, the, the more complex body plans, you get a really extraordinary life cycle where there are really complex functions that have to occur differently at different stages in an organism's life cycle. I didn't really discuss this in the article. There's more to come in the future, but the mechanisms, the information, the sequencing, the programming that's required to make all that work it really is mind-boggling, and I think as we, in the next several decades of biological research, as we start to unravel how all that works, I think the notion of design will become clear as the only possible explanation. 
well, even as I think of the human body, and it's the example I always want to use when I talk to others, uh, take one of the cells and one of its functions within the body, and there are many, many of them, all interactively working to do their own job. Just one of those is complicated enough to take a lot of time and study, but when you put it all together, there must be some 10 to the thousandth power or whatever for that to have come about by chance. That's what I always think. If a plant then takes on the components from startup to decommissioning and everything you mentioned in between, and you point out that that's similar to something called systems engineering and NASA, among others, uses system engineering. What is that? So I think most people are familiar, at least at a high level, with the question of engineering problems. So, you know, we're all familiar with the space program, with the complex things that have to happen in the machinery that makes space travel possible. So, you know, obviously humans need a lot of help from systems to maintain their life outside of the Earth's protective cocoon, you know, much less to travel from Earth to somewhere beyond. So this involves systems that have tens of thousands of parts. Each part has to be designed to fit into the whole to achieve something that's much beyond anything that the parts can do by themselves. So you end up with a whole which is greater, much greater than the sum of the parts. So the, the process of designing and building systems like that is called systems engineering. It's a time-tested discipline or actually a collection of disciplines and NASA has written a systems engineering handbook, which is a great read. At least the beginning parts are a great read for pretty much everyone. In my in Evolution News article, I quoted a couple of paragraphs from that manual to help people understand what this involves. And I think if people were to read that, they'd see right away that this describes what's going on in biology. We see exactly the same kind of systems in biology that NASA spends billions of our dollars to build. Exactly. When I picture some of the things you mentioned in the article, just scads of specialists all clustered in their various disciplines in various rooms throughout NASA, coming up with a solution to one thing or a way one thing's going to work. And then they have to share that with the folks in the next room that do this aspect. And ultimately, they have to make them all work together. And you're saying that that just occurs, quote, naturally in biology. It never naturally occurs without intention. The, one of the hallmarks of these kinds of systems, and, and I think this is important for people to understand, is that the value of the system as a whole is derived largely from the relationships among the parts. So that means the way the parts are structured, how they interact, how they interrelate, whether that's physical, electrical, chemical, whatever that means, it's how you put these things together that generates the value of the system as a whole. Makes sense. This is a really critical concept because what we see in biology has that property. How could that possibly occur through random causes? Exactly. Uh, it couldn't. Well, I don't think so. I, I mean, I guess it's theoretically it could be just an enormous accident, but the accident is on a level of improbability that we as humans can't even fathom. The, the numbers are so microscopically small. I would, I would think, uh, you know, I can't 
I can't prove this, but I think we're looking mm -hmm. at, you know, one divided by 10 to the couple of millionth power. There you go. I mean, you have to have the machinery, you have to have the information. All this stuff has to be just right. It has to be finely tuned or function doesn't happen. Exactly. It doesn't take a lot of failure in the space program for something really catastrophic to happen. And that's true in life as well. True, and yet it's been working for eons. You and I talking today is an example of that. And it makes sense to attribute intent to what we see. It really can't be explained as far as we're concerned in any other way. It sounds like researchers, you mentioned that those who view biology from the perspective of an intelligently engineered system rather than the product of random chance might, if they took that view, be able to make faster progress in their research? Yeah, there's this new field. I think it's maybe 15 years old now, and it's, it's rapidly maturing. It's called systems biology. It assumes that biological systems have purpose. And then it applies engineering disciplines and models to study biology. It's uh, very much what I'm talking about in this article. For example, if you have a sequence in DNA for an organism and it doesn't appear to do anything, you could assume that it's junk DNA, it's an artifact of evolution, and you could ignore it. Okay. Or you could assume that it performs some function that you don't know about yet, and you can study it. So which of those approaches do you think will yield better outcomes? Right, so because you would actually want to explore it instead of just dismiss it. I think That's I've heard right. somebody say that they thought that a part of our internal organs was useless, and they, they just thought that was a, a random byproduct of evolutionary growth but we find out that it actually does perform a function. They just didn't know it yet. Yeah. If you take an engineering view of life and look at all the things that have to happen just right, it's a little arrogant to assume that if I don't understand it, it must not do anything. Because there's a whole lot we don't understand. I could list hundreds of questions that are completely unexplored in biology, just based on thinking about it from a systems perspective. And so it seems really foolhardy to me to claim that something has no function merely because it doesn't do anything we've been looking for yet. Yep, you're absolutely right. Uh, and I, I can now see, based on your explanation, that taking the perspective you propose would allow us to explore things and discover things at a much greater rate. And you're right, it does seem quite arrogant for us to assume that if we don't get it, it's not worth going into or describing. You also mentioned it's starting to become a trend in the, the medical profession, like medical doctors are starting to describe their disciplines in terms of system engineering. Do you have any examples of where that's beginning to happen? You know, I don't really follow the medical or biological uh, literature, you know, and this is something people need to understand. I'm not a biologist. I'm an information mm -hmm. science guy. I understand systems, complicated, very large distributed systems. And that sounds an awful lot like what I see in biology. So I'm trying to come at the biological question from a different perspective. So I'm not fluent in the latest sure. in, in these areas, but I know 
molecular biology is providing a lot of uh, value to the medical community. They're using uh, DNA mapping to determine how people will react to various drug regimens. So it's having a huge practical impact in people's lives. And that's coming from right. taking this kind of purpose-driven view of what we see in biology. You know, if it's there, it might be there for a reason. Maybe we ought to look at what that is and start doing our studies on that and seeing what we can learn. Maybe there's some short-term benefit that could save lives. And that's pretty exciting. Oh, it absolutely is. I'm excited to see what I've already seen. It just seems like uh, you turn the next page and something brand new has been discovered. And just in the area of DNA, do you personally, I've been kind of curious, use the same approach that you've suggested that biologists and doctors of systems engineering, have you used what you've found when you're looking at intelligently designed systems around you to apply it to your work as an enterprise architect, as it were, or a consultant? Well, I'd sure like to. I, I have not. I don't think we know enough yet, but I can see that that's in the future. It just seems like it could almost be applied to things socially as well as what we can observe or work with in, let's say, under microscope. Yeah, I don't think there's any question, at least certainly not in my mind, that the complexity, the elegance, the efficiency of the information systems in biology will outstrip anything that we know how to do today. And so as we start figuring out how that works, I'm convinced that we will find ways to mimic that in our technology. Just like an airplane mimics the way a bird flies, but isn't exactly the same. I think we'll find many opportunities, you know, in the next 20, 30, 40 years to take what we learn in biology and apply it to technology. And it may not look exactly the same, but it may have some of the properties. And I think it's quite likely to yield enormous benefits and make some forward-thinking people very rich. I'm looking forward to it. Before we started this second or this discussion, you and I, we talked a little bit about a book by Doug Axe, and maybe that'll be part of an answer you might have to my, my final question. And you, you're sure welcome to broach other things that we didn't touch on from your article. But my guess is that eons of randomness and chance will never ultimately be able to explain what we see around us and who we are today. That intelligent design will continue to be the best explanation for future systems discovered in Earth's flora and fauna. And as you say, there is clear intention. Will we ever see fair treatment of intelligent design in science classes, elementary, middle, high school, college of the future? I realize that you're not an educator, but you certainly have a perspective and maybe you've talked to folks who are working that direction. And if so, how, how do you see that would begin? Well, first of all, let me say, I, I think absolutely that will happen. It may take a while. I think that only happens when the scientific conversation has produced a little more fruit. So we need to get farther in the conversation before it makes sense to think about this in a public school classroom, for example. But the bottom line is, 
and I don't think this is going to change very soon, Darwinian theory, as it's stated now, is stuck. It doesn't have the needed explanatory power. The data is skewing against it, and it's just a matter of time before everybody figures that out. Clearly, a lot of the Darwinian community is already aware of this. There are a number of efforts that have been going on for decades to try to find a different way, but most of those different ways are still hoping for a materialist cause. But once this gets out in the public, which is, I think, one of the drivers for the vitriol in this conversation, the theory is weak, and they can't allow the public to find out about it because this could come crashing down very quickly. So I think that on the positive side, once people start to see that the theory, the hypothesis as it's known today, and what we see in the real world, the gap is enormous between those. And once people begin to understand that, they'll start looking in an honest way for better answers. And I think ID will have a place at that table. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to mention from your article or you want to hint at what you're working on for the future in this area or things you've seen? Yeah, I, well, I don't know if I'll give too many hints. I'm working on a, an engineering model for biology. And it, okay. as both a, a way to describe what's happening, a way to sort of capture and catalog what's happening in the research community. And that I think that model will be somewhat agnostic to origins theories. Okay. But it will, I think in the end, what we'll see is that the design of these systems, the engineering behind these systems is off the charts, unexplainable by random causation or any material cause. And it will speak for itself. Yeah, and, and, it, and it will. I, I, like I said, the truth gets to wind in the end. So I think all we have to do is discover what the truth is, and everything else will work itself out. So that's my focus. Let's find out what's really going on. Where is all this information encoded? Some of it does not appear to be in DNA. Where is it? You know, what's the role of epigenetics in how these systems work, how they adapt? No one really understands this stuff. So there's a lot to explore. I think it's exciting times. And uh, I'm pretty upbeat about where this is going to go. Well, your enthusiasm, your positive outlook, and your just your perspectives are really refreshing, and you've encouraged me, and I'm definitely going to chew on what I've heard so far. And I look forward to what you and others like you have in store and just what we discover as we look for the truth. Uh, thank you, Steve, for your wisdom and your time. Hi, you're most welcome. We've been speaking today with Enterprise Architect Steve Lofman. Until next time, I'm Todd Butterfield for ID the Future. This program was recorded by Discovery Institute's Center for Science and Culture. ID the Future is copyright Discovery Institute 2016. For more information, visit intelligentdesign.org or idthefuture.com.